arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, is being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will all be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. 
His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from how then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to Good evening, everybody. I want to welcome you to Victor Christian Fellowship and Wednesday night refreshing. We're so glad to have you here. And if you're watching with us online, we just say welcome to you. Father, you are so good and gracious. You're the faithful God, and you stand with us, Lord. You pour out your goodness upon us, and we bless your holy name. We lift up the name of Jesus in this place. We're so excited, Lord. You're a good God, and we declare your goodness. Hallelujah. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Are you ready to worship tonight? There is no God like our There is no God like 
place tonight, Lord, to have an encounter with you through your Holy Spirit, to hear the word of the Lord, and to see you confirm your word with signs following. Oh, Lord, our ears are attentive to your words. We incline our ear to your sayings. Thank you for being in our midst. And Lord, thank you for speaking to us. Shiatoki Ashani Akoho, O Niashani, Kiakashati Akotehe, O Nehe, Kiakashani Akotehe, O Nehe, Yahota Shahi. I have chosen you. I have called you to myself. I have equipped you with everything that you need to succeed. You are on my winning team. I chose you because I love you. I chose you because I want to know you. I chose you because I have great plans for you. I have destined you for great things. I have a calling, and the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Hallelujah. Say, I'm called. I'm chosen. And I'm equipped. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Well, if you can, you can have your seats. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I am super excited. And there's great things in store happening here at VCF. Of course, this Sunday, come and 
celebrate Resurrection Sunday with us. Amen. We're going to celebrate the resurrection. We're going to have communion. And we're going to experience resurrection power. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo, resurrection power works in believers. Glory to God. And then we have our women's conference coming up April 21st and 22nd. It's free by donation. Uh, sign up. You can sign up in the bookstore. Ladies, invite your friends. It's going to be a great and wonderful time. We've got two powerhouses, Dr. Fiona and uh, Pastor Patty Akui, and uh, they're going to be doing some tag team preaching and prophesying. Hallelujah. And it's going to be glorious. And uh, God's already working mightily here. Hallelujah. And we're excited that you're here tonight. This is a divine appointment tonight. And uh, God's going to do some great things like he always does. He's faithful. We just got to cooperate with him and yield to him. Amen. You know, when you yield, you're just giving him the way. Right? Yield is not to stop. Yield is just if something's moving, you, you, you give it way. Right? So when God's moving, you just give him way. And you just let him do what he needs to do. And, and God's not logical. You can't reason him out. You know, he operates by faith. And uh, he has an invisible kingdom. Glory to God. And we've got some great kids in this place. We love our kids. And we love our teachers. You know, God's moving in our kids. It's kids living in faith every day. Kids' life. Hallelujah. That's, that's by divine design. So kids, we want you to experience God's life right now. And our teachers have a great class. Let the Holy Ghost flow. Hallelujah. Of course, you know, the greatest seed that was given was the life of Jesus. He said, unless a seed of corn fall to the ground and die, it will not produce, but when it dies, it will produce a harvest. Jesus was the seed that God planted in this earth so that God could have a family. And uh, Jesus was planted and God's family has been growing ever since. Hallelujah. So uh, you can give tonight anytime during the service if you're watching online and you want to give, you go in, uh, to our website and do it that way and um, God will get it to you. Amen. And Father, I just thank you that you are good and faithful. And Lord, you reward those who diligently seek you. And Lord, you reward every giver. You multiply their gifts sown, Father. And I just thank you, Lord, that you increase their fruit of righteousness and you bless them mightily. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you came here tonight looking for something to turn around, you came to the right place. I walked here in here this afternoon and it was just praying in the Holy Ghost and I just heard a word in my spirit, turn around, turn around, say the great turnaround, say things in my life are turning around, my mistakes are being turned around, oh my, my sickness is being turned around, hallelujah, you know, God, God likes to turn things around, he likes to make things right. 
Glory to God. So we're going to have a great turnaround tonight. You know, when things look bad, don't worry. We got God on our side. Of course, the greatest turnaround ever was when they buried Jesus in a borrowed tomb. (laughs) They put him in a borrowed tomb. Why was it a borrowed tomb? He's only going to be there for a short time. And then on the third day, he had a turnaround, right? He went from being dead to being alive. He went from laying down to walking around. Hallelujah. He went, doors couldn't keep him out. Locks wouldn't work. Wherever he wanted to show up, he just walked in. And you could touch him and he could eat, but it was glorious. He was in a glorified body. That was a great turnaround. Hallelujah. He he put the whooping on the devil. Glory to God. So what does it mean to turn around? It is the action of receiving, processing, and returning something. It means to become changed for the better. It means to act in an abrupt, different, and surprising manner. How many has had their behavior changed since you met Jesus? You think differently, you act differently, you talk differently, you walk differently. Hallelujah. To change, a turnaround is to change to the opposite direction from the previous position. I was blind, but now I see. That's a turnaround. I was sick, but now I'm whole. That's a turnaround. I was broke, but now I'm rich. That's a turnaround. Hallelujah. It means to reverse a trend. Usually towards a more favorable outcome. Our nation could use a turnaround. Amen? We're at a point in our nation where we need to turn, we need, some things need to turn around. Why? They're going in the wrong direction. They're going in the wrong way. But God's a God of turnarounds. Hallelujah. He won't just spin you around. He'll turn you around. It's to make a business more profitable. That's a good turnaround. To change an unsuccessful business plan or system so that it becomes successful. That's a turnaround. A complete reversal of a situation or a set of circumstances. A woman bled for 12 years until she met Jesus and her bleeding was turned around. It stopped. For the first time in 12 years, her bleeding stopped. She felt it in her body. She was healed and whole of that plague. In one moment. Hallelujah. It means to improve dramatically. And a divine turnaround is when God steps into a specific situation to reverse the circumstances abruptly. Quickly. Turning it into a positive experience that is beyond human and scientific explanation. Hallelujah. You can't figure it out. Just believe it. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Whoo, glory to God. 
And uh, look at verse uh, 18. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Listen, you may go go through some things in life, but guess what? Those things don't define you. Those things don't own you. Those are just temporary things. We got something working that's far greater. That's for an everlasting blessing. So the the hard things that you go through, they're just temporary. And they can't be compared to the glory that's going to come. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. It's time for the sons of God to arise and shine. For the glory of the Lord is upon you. A son of God is also a daughter of God. A son is a position in Christ. It's when you get born again, you become a son of God. Adam was called the son of God. Amen? So don't be comparing the glory of God with your temporary situation. Say, my situation is temporary, but God's situation is eternal. How many know eternal things last longer? Eternal things are greater. All right? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Jesus specializes in turning things around. He, turn, he changes hearts, changes minds, he changes situations, he changes bodies. He can accelerate things. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. Therefore... We do not lose heart. See, here's the thing. If you're going through something, don't lose heart. Keep your focus on God. See, the problem is the devil wants to get you into something where you can lose heart. You can lose focus. You can lose faith. Don't lose your faith. We do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Listen. Yeah, your outward man is perishing, but the inward man's getting newer and newer. Better and better. Hallelujah. And he's being renewed. The in, you're being renewed on the inside every day. Glory to God. Verse 17. For our light affliction. Everybody say light affliction. We got to talk, as believers, we got to talk about affliction as being light. Let me ask you a question. For those of you who have read the accounts of Jesus when he rose from the dead, how many times did he discuss the crucifixion? None. The only time he referenced it was when Thomas wanted to touch him. But he he never talked to his disciples the pain of the crucifixion. He never talked about the pain. Once he was resurrected, that was it. The, The crucifixion was a moment, but... Resurrection was forever. He's walking in eternal life. And when you're raised from the dead, you don't discuss how you got dead. 
angel at the tomb said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? We got we to talk and act like we've been raised with Christ. Light affliction, which is but for a moment. Listen, things that you go through, they're momentary. But Jesus is forever. Now, these things, the affliction for a light moment is working for us a far more exceeding weight of glory. I'm so glad that glory's got some weight to it. While we do not look at the things which are seen. See, this is another thing. We can't look at the things that we're going through when we're going through them. We got to look to him. You want to get through this thing quicker? Look to him. Because he's the one that can accelerate. He's the one that can bring you through quicker. Israel didn't have to spend 40 years in the wilderness. It was because of their negative mouth. It was only supposed to be seven days. But their negative mouth turned it into 40 years. Don't turn your situation to make it worse. Shut the hell up. I didn't cuss. But when we speak negative, we're representing hell. Everybody say words matter. It's not just the words you say in church that matter. It's the words you say while you're driving your car. It's the words you say while you're eating dinner. It's the words you say when you get up and when you go to sleep. Those words matter. Hallelujah. All right, we don't look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are seen are not seen are eternal. Let's have an eternal perspective about things. God's not done with America yet. We're going we're gonna to get through this time, and God's going to turn it around. Amen? He's going to turn it around. Why? He's got plans for America. He's not done with us yet. <laughs> Go to First Peter chapter 1. My goodness. First Peter chapter 1. We can have a turnaround tonight. Did you know that God already scheduled a turnaround before you got here? And you, you, you showing up just made your appointment available. Did you know the woman with the issue of blood, she didn't schedule an appointment, she just showed up. Jarius, he just showed up. The Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was vexed with the devil, she just showed up. Amen? The woman at the well, she just happened to be there when Jesus was there. Jesus knew he was supposed to go to Samaria, but he didn't know he was, who he was going to meet until he got there. Holy Spirit led him, and he started, struck up a conversation, and he brought the conversation from drinking water to living water. Amen? You want to have a, a, a talk at the water cooler? That's the kind of talk we got to have. How you can turn this water into living water. <laughs> Jesus had a talk at the water cooler, let me tell you. 
First Peter chapter one, verse three. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. Say, I've got a living hope. Your hope isn't dead. It's living. It's alive. Hallelujah. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Glory to God. Our Jesus has raised. We're going to have a, a hope that's alive. Verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. Now, just because he has it reserved for you in heaven doesn't mean you can't access it here. How many know you're an heir of Jesus? You're an heir of God with Christ Jesus. We are joint heirs with Jesus. We can partake of our inheritance now. Hallelujah. We get it now and we get some later. Glory to God. Tune in. Okay, verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith. Listen, no matter any trial, test, or trouble that you go through, your faith is stronger than the trial, test, or trouble. And you can get through anything. You were destined to win. You were designed to win. You were called to win. You were equipped to win. God wants you to win. He didn't call you to be a loser. The devil's a loser. Judas was a loser because he betrayed Jesus. But those who stick with Jesus, you win. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Verse 6. So we're kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. For now a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. How many ever felt the urge to rejoice in a trial? He's telling us to rejoice in the trial. In this, in this, you greatly rejoice. Why? Because I know God. God knows me. He's called me. He's with me. He's with me. That's why I'm rejoicing. I'm not rejoicing because of the trial. I'm rejoicing because God is with me and God is in me and God is working for me. Do you think David was sad? To go fight Goliath? I guess someone's got to fight him. That's not the impression I get when I read that story. He was ticked off that these dudes were letting this guy, one guy speak against God. He was passionate. And he didn't walk to Goliath. He ran to him. He, he was rejoicing. He didn't know that the entrance to a kingship was the key was a giant. Do you know when you're facing a giant, that just means a greater promotion is on the other side? Hallelujah. So face that giant with some passion. Caleb was like, listen, Joshua promised me a mountain, and that's my mountain. And it happened to be that the last of the giants were on this mountain. Guess what? They weren't there long. Caleb was 85 and he kicked the giants off of his mountain. So don't get sad that a giant's occupying what God's given you. 
Whatever God's given you, if someone's occupying it, you kick them out. And you don't have to be sad for them. Amen? God knows what he's doing. When he gives you things, he knows, he knows what he's doing. Just take what he gives you. Hallelujah. All right. <laughs> Go to 1 Peter chapter 4. And then we're going to look at three instances of turnarounds. One for a nation. One for financial. And one for sickness. How many know God's a God of turnarounds? Everything will turn, turn, turn. Right? When you're going through a trial, say, this is going to be turned around. Not only turned around, but turned in my favor. It's to say, it's going to work out for my good. Hallelujah. You're going to be better off for it. You're going to be better off for it. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12. See, we have to have this mentality about suffering. When Jesus told the disciples that he was going to go to the cross and be crucified and die and be mistreated by the, uh, the leaders, you know, boys, I've got to tell you a sad story. I'm going to be heading to the cross. Oh, no, Jesus, no. It wasn't a sad story because he knew on the other side of the cross was what? A resurrection. He, he knew what was behind the cross. He had the joy to go through the cross, to endure the cross, because the cross was temporary, but the resurrection is forever. Say, there's a resurrection on the other side of my crucifixion. First Peter 4.12 Beloved, Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Oh my goodness, it's, don't be surprised when the trial comes. The Bible tells you, don't think it's strange. Do you know, Luke 4, the Bible says Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and then he was led by the Spirit into what? Everybody say the wilderness. What happened in the wilderness? He was tested. He was tried, but he overcame. How long was he in the wilderness? Did he eat? No. Flesh was weak, but spirit was strong. If Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness, don't be surprised If you find yourself in the wilderness. But you know this. God's going to get you through it. You're going to make it. You're going to overcome. The devil threw the best he had at Jesus and it wasn't good enough. And the devil can throw the best at you and it's not going to be good enough either. Don't think it's strange. Concerning the fiery trial. Which is to try you. Listen, gold's not afraid of fire because when gold goes into the fire, it gets brighter. It, it has more value. It shines more. Bring on the fire. Hallelujah. 
Don't, be, don't, don't think it's strange when you go through a fiery trial. Huh. Why? You got a flame retardant suit on you. The flames can't touch you. You won't even smell like smoke. I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't compromise, but they had to go through in the furnace. Why? God had to show himself strong in an impossible situation. Amen? Because the king said, which God is going to save you? See, the king thought he was God until he saw the fourth man. Then he realized, I'm not God. (laughs) What a revelation. As though some strange thing happened to you. God, why am I going through this? Wrong response. Say, thank you, God, that you're with me in it. Don't whine and complain about it. Start praising about it. Did you know that the Apostle Paul, he said, I'm going to boast in my weaknesses. I'm going to rejoice in my weaknesses. Why? Because when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. Because in my weakness, I trust God and he gives me his strength, his power. Isn't that true? That's Bible. Wouldn't it be nice for the Apostle Paul not to have been beaten three times with rods, not to have been whipped 39 times, five times? Do you realize the Apostle Paul was whipped more than Jesus? Wouldn't it have been nice to not be stoned to death and left for dead and then rise up and go right back into the city that stoned you? Wouldn't it be nice to be on a ship that would stay together and not be wrecked and spend the night and the day in the deep? But yet we read Paul didn't complain. But in the midst of a storm, Paul had an angelic visitation by God, and he said no, no life is going to be lost on this ship. 235 people on that ship, not one lost their life because of a word from God. The word of God is true. Okay. Verse 13 now, look at this. He's talking about fiery trials. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with a little bit of joy. What kind of joy? Exceeding joy. Some of your joy, joy has no limits. It's exceeding. It breaks limits. For if you are reproached in the name of Christ, if someone criticizes you because you're a Christian, if someone calls you a name because you're a Christian, let me tell you a story. When I was in Illinois, one of my good friends who taught me how to evangelize, he was a carpenter and he built a cross. It was about, uh, I guess, nine or ten feet. And so we would take this cross to all the area uh, festivals like the fireworks, the, the fairs, and we would take this cross. We'd have tracks with us, and we would we would literally carry this cross through the fair, and we, and we would just talk to people about Jesus. And one time, I was late, so my friend went by himself. God never sent you out one by one; He sent you out two by two for a reason. So when I got there, it was me and another guy. 
we got there and there was, there was my friend with the cross. And there was a group of people kind of around him. And some kids were kicking the cross, like mocking it. Okay. But there was a carnival operator that came over and got in between my friend and these people. And they said, you need to listen to him because what he's saying is true. Like he defended him. And it was awesome. I got to see that. Amen. So you got to, we got to rejoice with exceeding joy. Hallelujah. So if you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. So when people criticize you because you go to that church or because you do this or that, amen, you're blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Did they criticize Jesus? Oh, if you're the son of God, why'd you come down over that cross? If you're the son of God, why don't you perform a sign for us? Right? But he wasn't motivated by the people. He was motivated by his father. Okay? So, when you're being criticized for being Christian or doing Christian things, know that the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. On their part... He is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. Amen. I saw that in that situation at that carnival. God used someone, a total stranger, but he defended the gospel. But let none of you suffer as a murderer. If you murder, you ought to suffer. Because that's wrong. (laughs) Or as a thief. Oh, gee, I'm sorry for stealing this thing. No, it's wrong. You don't suffer for doing wrong. You suffer for doing right. Okay? You see that? Or as an evildoer or as a busybody or in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian because of your relationship with Christ, because of your behavior in Christ... Uh, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Everybody say glorify God. Glorify God. Amen. Okay. Now, go to Second Kings chapter 6. And we're going to see a turnaround in a nation. Second Kings chapter 6, starting with verse 24. The Syrians attacked Israel and they besieged besieged uh, Samaria 2 Kings chapter 6 verse 24 sometime later Benadad king of Aram which that's Syria assembled his entire army and marched up to and besieged Samaria so there was a great famine in Samaria ever say a great famine now in a great famine people do horrible things Indeed, they besieged the city so long, okay, that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter cab of dung's dung sold for five shekels of silver. 
Get your hot dove dung. Get your hot dove dung right here. That's bird crap. For those of you that don't know. And there's not much meat on a donkey's head. Okay? But these were very high-priced items. Because the Syrians had surrounded the city. And when you surround the city, you cut off its supply. In the area that I grew up, there's a, a state park called Starved Rock. And it's called Starved Rock because there was one Indian tribe that was surrounded by another Indian tribe. And the, the one surrounded them cut off all supplies and they literally starved on this rock. So it's called Starved Rock. That's what it's called. Because that's what happened. All right? So then they were, in, I'm not even going to read all this because they were into cannibalism and all kinds of other stuff. Okay? And uh, the king wanted to blame Elisha, the prophet, when he was, this was the son of Ahab, who was a wicked king, and he continued in his wicked father's ways. All right? But then, go to chapter 7 and verse 1. Chapter 7 and verse 1, 2 Kings 7, verse 1. Then Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Everybody say, I got my ears on. Listen, if something can turn away in a famine, if something can turn around in a national crisis, God can turn it around. Just one word from God can turn it around. So Elisha heard the word of the Lord. And he said, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says about this time tomorrow. Everybody say, tomorrow. How long is that? One day. Does it take long for God to turn things around? Okay. Hold your place here and go to Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66. Hallelujah. It's Isaiah 66 and verse 8. Hallelujah. Look at this. He's talking about uh, uh, giving birth and going into labor. And then he says in verse 8, Isaiah 66, verse 8, Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. The prophecy was fulfilled in 1948. Because Israel had been dispersed to all over the globe. And they didn't have a homeland. There was not a country of Israel. There was nothing. But can God cause a nation to exist in one day? Hallelujah. Let me read this. Glory to God. Never in history of the world has such things happened before, but God keeps his word. Say, God keeps his word. As foretold here, it also says this in Ezekiel thirty-seven twenty-one. Israel became a recognized nation actually born in one day. 
after being away from their homeland for almost 2,000 years. The Jews were given a national homeland in Palestine by the Balfour Declaration in November 1917. In 1922, the League of Nations gave Great Britain the mandate over Palestine. On May 14, 1948, Great Britain withdrew her mandate and immediately, everybody say immediately, Israel was declared a sovereign state and her growth and importance among the nations was astonishing. In one day, they had been separated for 2,000 years, but God said, I'm going to call the, I'm going to gather my people from the four winds. That's the north, the south, the east, and the west. And he brought them in. And on 1948, Israel became a nation in one day. Everybody say one day. Okay. Let's go back to 2 Kings now. And uh, 2 Kings chapter 7. About this time, so Elisha prophesied about this time tomorrow at the gate of Samaria, a say of fine flour will sell for a shekel. And two say of barley will sell for a shekel. The, 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 uh, inflation, the crisis is going to end in one day. This is a national crisis. Okay? And, uh, verse two, the officer on whose arm the king leaned answered the man of God, look, even if the Lord were to make windows in heaven, could this really happen? Doubter, doubter. Get her outer. And Elisha said, you will see with your own eyes, but you will not eat any of it. Why? You doubt you're dead. Okay? Now, verse 3. Here's where it gets interesting. God needs some people that have some faith. It'll just take some action. Say, faith takes some action. Now, there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. And they said to one another, why just we sit here until we die? See, religion would just sit there and say, I'm just off to a good death. I'll see you later. But, verse 4, if we say, let us go into the city, we will die there from the famine in the city. But if we sit here, we'll also die. So, it doesn't matter what you do, you're going to die. You might as well just do something. Look at your neighbor and say, just do something. So come, come now, let us go over to the camp of the Arameans, the Syrians. If they let us live, we will live. If they kill us, we will die. So these four guys, they arose at twilight. That means it's about to get dark. And they went to the camp of the Arameans. When they came to the outskirts of the camp, there was not a man to be found. Verse 6. The Lord had caused the Arameans to hear a sound of chariots, horses, and a great army. Four leprous men decided to take a walk. Instead of sitting on their little tush, they decided to get up and take a walk. Take some action. You know, when you take action, God will meet that action. They didn't know what God was going to do. 
They just knew they had to do something. And God made them sound like chariots, horses, and a great army so that they said to one another, look, the king of Israel must have hired the kings of the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us. The Arameans had arisen and fled at twilight, abandoning their tents, their horses, and their donkeys. The camp was intact. They left everything behind. Oh, my goodness. The four lepers weren't stressing about the famine. They said, look, if we go to the city, we're going to die. If we stay here, we're going to die. We might as well do something. They just did something. When the lepers, verse 8, when the lepers reached the edge of the camp, they went into a tent to eat and drink. They, then they carried off the silver, the gold, and the clothing, and they went and hid them. <laughs> On returning, they entered another tent, carried off some items from there, and hid them. Finally, they said to one another, we are not doing what is right. Today is a day of good news. Everybody say today. Today. Not tomorrow, not yesterday. Today is a day of good news. Today is a day of turnarounds. Today is a day. One day, God, one day, God can turn a situation around. A national crisis. He can turn it around. When leaders act foolishly, he can turn it around. When others stand for righteousness, he'll back them up. If we are silent and wait until the morning light, our sin will overtake us. Now, someone had said that one of these lepers was Gehazi. Because Gehazi had the leprosy of Naaman. Because he got greedy, right? But then in another passage in 2 Kings, Gehazi was talked about appearing before the king, and you couldn't appear before the king if you had leprosy. And, and Gehazi's prior sin was not telling his master what he was doing. He was just going to hide the stuff and take it for himself. I don't know if this is true, but this is just something to think about. Okay. Now, therefore, let us go and tell the king's household. So they went and called the gatekeepers of the city, saying, We went to the Aramean camp, and no one was there, not a trace. Only tethered horses and donkeys, and the tents were intact. The gatekeepers shouted the news. Oh, hallelujah. You know, when you spread good news, it gets shouted. And... uh Now the king had appointed the officer on whose arm he leaned to be in charge of the gate, but the people trampled him in the gateway. That was the doubter who doubted the prophet. He was at the giant center, and they opened the gates, and he got trampled. And he died just as the man of God foretold. It happened, verse 18, it happened just as the man of God told the king about this time tomorrow. You know, Elijah didn't say what was going to happen. He just said the situation was going to change. How many know you speak to your situation and you say it's going to change? You may not know how it's going to change. You may not know what God's going to do, but you got to trust God. you got to believe God. you got to just speak confidence in God. I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but I'm going to get through this. God knows. I don't have to know how he's going to do it. I just have to know God. Because God's a God of turnarounds. 
All right, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 4. Now let's look at a financial situation. How many knows God can turn your financial situation around? (laughs) Who owns the gold and the silver of the earth? God. Who owns the cattle on a thousand hills? Plus he owns all the taters underneath the cattle. Right? Because taters grow underground. Right? So God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All the gold and silver is his. Do you think he can get it to you when you need it? Yes, he can. Say yes. He can. Say yes, he can. Does he want to take care of you? Yes, he does. Does he love you? He sure does. Say yes, he can. Say yes, he can. God's not a God of can'ts. Was there ever a miracle that God said, ooh, this is going to take a lot? No, he said, nothing is too hard for me. Nothing is impossible. Everybody say nothing. God can change the situation like that. All right, Second Kings chapter 4, verse 1. The wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. Now, Elisha had a school of prophets. They had schools in Bethel, Jericho, Gilgal, and Jordan. And Elisha would go around the circuit, and he would teach the prophets in these different schools. Okay? Started by Elijah. Actually, was started by Samuel. Okay? So they had schools of prophets back then. Amen? And uh, so... One of the servants, one of the sons of the prophets, her husband, he's di- he, he had died, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. Okay? Now his creditor is coming to take my two children as his slaves. It was customary back then that if you owed money, the creditor could come and take your family and make them bond servants, and that would be used to pay off the debt. Okay? And verse 2, the prophet said, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? God is never interested in what you don't have, only what you have. Say, what I have is enough to change my situation. If what you have can't meet your need, then what you have is a seed. Because seeds have breakthrough power. Seeds have increased power. Seeds have multiplication power. Amen? So Elisha said, what do you have in the house? She said, your servant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. All right? Let's just use this as a jar of oil. Okay? That's not a whole lot, is it? But when you put it in the kingdom, this becomes a whole lot. If you want to upgrade your two-piece fish dinner from Long John Silver's, get it into the hands of Jesus, and watch how many people you can feed through that drive-thru. Thousands. Okay? So, specific instructions. Anytime you, you need a way out, God's good. the way out is through an instruction. 
through a word from God, an instruction from God, an instruction from the Holy Spirit. Okay? Elisha said, go borrow jars, empty ones from all your neighbors. Don't gather a few. Everybody say, don't gather a few. Don't be stingy in following God's instruction. God wants your whole heart, your whole mind, and your whole body involved in his instruction. Not a few. Okay? Why? God is preparing her for an increased multiplication. She's in a financial crisis. Okay? (laughs) Don't gather a few. Verse 4. Then go... Inside, shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into these jars, setting the full ones aside. She left him, and after she had shut the door uh, behind her, her and her sons, they kept bringing jars to her, and she kept pouring. So her and her sons, everybody say immediately. When they got the instruction from the prophet, which is a word from God in that day, because they didn't really have a written Bible too much. And uh, so she acted on it immediately, all right? She went and gathered the jars, and uh, she went inside the house, and she's pouring, right? Pouring, 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 okay? And then uh, verse 6, when all the jars were full, everybody say, all the jars were full. One jar filled multiple jars. That's a miracle, Okay? Your seed can do amazing things. All right? There are no more jars. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God. Okay? She completed that instruction. Now she went and told the man of God. All right? And he said, go and sell the oil. Everybody say, sell the oil. So she had to gather the pots. She had to pour the oil, and she had to sell the oil. Everybody say she. She. It's not all up to God, but God does the heavy lifting. God needs your participation. And the oil that she sold was enough to pay the debt and. Everybody say and. God's always more than enough. He didn't just meet the need. He said, go and sell the oil, pay off your debt, and, God's in the and, live on the rest. Amen? Everybody say, live on the rest. She had enough to pay the debt, and she had more than enough left over. Enough to pay the debt with more than than, uh, left over. Amen? More than enough. Hallelujah. Say, my God is a God of more than enough. He's all sufficient. He's almighty. He's a too much God. Hallelujah. She increased. She didn't know what to do, but she know where to go. She know where to go. You may not know what to do, but you know where to go. You go to God or you go to a man of God. All right. You go to get the word of God. Why? Because that's the way out of your situation. The word of God is your master key to every block. All right? Now let's look at a sickness. Go to Isaiah 38. Isaiah 38. 
Hallelujah. Say, God's a God of turnarounds. And we're going to go to Isaiah 38.1. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This was uh, Hezekiah. Verse 1, Isaiah 38.1. In those days, Hezekiah became mortally ill. Everybody say mortally ill. Is that a serious sickness? Yeah, that means he's going to die if he doesn't get a cure or if he doesn't have some uh, attention. Right? The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, came to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order, for you are about to die. You will not recover. Can I get another prophet, please? (laughs) That wasn't good news, but it was the truth. What are you going to do when you hear bad news? You're going to cry? You're going to complain? You're going to whine? You're going to just give up? Just because you hear bad news doesn't mean that's the end of the situation. Amen? How many know that God's got a report? And we got to have a choice of whose report we're going to believe. Okay? Then, everybody say then. Hezekiah wasn't going to accept this news, even though it came from God. You don't accept the label that the world puts on you. You don't let the world define you. You let God define you. You find your identity in Christ. Not in your pain. Not in your suffering. Not in your lack. Not in your want. You find it in God. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. That means he got serious. He might have not been serious up to this point, but in this moment, with this news, he got serious. What did he do? And he prayed to the Lord. He said a serious prayer. He got down with God. Saying, please, Lord, remember how I have walked before you faithfully and uh, with a wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your sight. Hezekiah wept bitterly. The word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, go tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says, I have heard your what? God heard his prayer. His prayer made the difference in his situation. Okay? I have seen your tears. Isn't God personal? Not only does he hear his prayers, but he saw the tears. Okay? Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. Was that prayer worth it? Amen. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. Not only am I going to heal you, but I'm going to deliver you too. That's more than enough. Hallelujah. This will be a sign for you from the Lord that he will do what he promised. Verse 8, I will make the sun's shadow that falls on the stairway of Ahaz to go back ten steps. So the sunlight went back ten steps. It had descended to make up for the difference when Joshua stopped the sun. Hallelujah. I heard your prayer and I'm going to make the sun stop. 
or go back 10 steps. Amen? Isn't that awesome? See, sometimes when you face good news, stop drop, or I'm, I'm sorry, when you face bad news, stop, drop, and pray. That's not the time to pull out your hair. That's the time to get serious with God. That's the time to put your face towards God and get serious and, and, and just look to him and listen to what he says. Amen? How, how many know God can turn your sorrow into joy? Hallelujah. That's, he says that in Jeremiah 31. He says, I'll turn your sorrow into joy. He can turn your tragedy into triumph. Hallelujah. God's a turner. He's a, he turns things around. God will turn your depression into praise. Hallelujah. He'll turn your loss into victory. That's, but you, you can't give up in the loss. You can't throw in the towel in the loss. People thought that Jesus lost when they put him in the tomb. The disciples were sad. They, they locked themselves in a room for fear of the Romans. They were afraid and they were sad. And then he just showed up and said hello. And then they totally changed their world upside down. When, you, when you're in a bad situation, don't quit. Don't give up. Amen? God can turn your mess into a miracle. Hallelujah. He can turn your test into a testimony. How, how do you get ammonia out of a test? Stay long enough to pass the test. God can turn any bad situation you face around and make good out of it. He specializes in that. He turns bondage and slavery into freedom and liberty. Hallelujah. He turns sickness into health. He turns poverty into prosperity. Jesus, we were lost, but he came and sought us out and found us. Amen? And we went from being lost to being found. Aren't you glad you're found by Jesus? Hallelujah. He gave his life as a ransom for many. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The shift has already begun. Say something shifted. (laughs) When that woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment, something shifted in her. She felt it in her body. She was healed of that plague just like that. One touch, boom. Virtue went from him to her. That word virtue is power. That word virtue is dunamis. Where we get the word dynamite. You know what dynamite does? It explodes. It blows things up. Hallelujah. The devil, God uses dunamis to blow up the devil's plans. Anytime he wants to steal, kill, and destroy, dunamis bomb. Here comes some dunamis. That's power. That's the power of God. We got power. We got resurrection power. It's working in us. It's operating in us. It's abiding in us. Hallelujah. What seems impossible, God makes possible. What used to be impenetrable, God makes a way. What door used to be closed, God opens it because he has all the keys. Where you were once despised, now you have favor. 
The very same people that told Bartimaeus to hush said, the master wants to see you. And I could see Bartimaeus. He was blind, but he was smiling. Told you. I told you. You know, Bartimaeus refused to quit. He heard Jesus, but he said, I'm going to get a hold of my, I'm going to get a hold of Jesus with my mouth. And no one's going to shut me up. Say, no one's going to shut me up. When circumstances say it's over, God says it's a new beginning. When the odds are stacked up against you, God brings you out a winner. Just ask Gideon. 300 men versus 120,000. Hallelujah. We have to take our position. Amen. What's your position? You are victor, not victim. Change your I am into O-R. Drop the I am and add the O-R. Victim versus victor. Amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. Our position is under God's hand. He said, when you humble yourself under my hand, he said, I I will exalt you. God's in the exalting business. The only one who can say it's over is God. Amen? You don't say it's over. You say, God's not done with me yet. God's not finished with me yet. We got to turn some things around now. Amen? You trust God? Do you believe God? You believe your suffering's only temporary? So then don't talk about it like it's an eternal eternity. Stop focusing on the problem. Start focusing on the answer. All you got to know is my God can do all things. Amen? If you're here tonight and you need something turned around in your life, in your body, in your finances, there's a turnaround anointing here tonight. God wants to refresh you with a turnaround. Maybe you just need to change the way you think about things. Amen? If you came in here tonight and you needed something to be turned around, a physical problem into a spiritual answer, hallelujah. If you felt like your back was against the wall and you didn't know how you were going to make it through, or how you were going to overcome, or how the situation was going to change. Amen? Tonight is your night. You're going to enter the winner's circle. Hallelujah. If that's you, I want you to come up here right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that he confirms your word with signs following. I give you thanks and praise and glory. Thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Ghost in this place. Hallelujah. We're going to knock the devil's teeth out in the name of Jesus. Now, you've got to see yourself with whatever it was turned around, going the other direction. Ah, we're going to hit the brakes, and we're going to go the other way.
You're making a divine U-turn tonight. Yes. 